Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is the Slow Poisoner. I come to you from the future with these words of warning. It's a hot horror planet. It's a hot horror planet. It's a hot. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 83. This episode is sponsored by the fine folks at Lee's Comics. Attention comic book fans, Lee's Comics of Mountain View, California has closed. But here's the good news. Lee's Comics eBay store is still going strong with over 10,000 vintage comics, the majority of which are now on sale for half off. Choose from Lee's huge stock of golden, silver, bronze, and modern age comics, and specializing in Silver Age Marvel titles. You can count on friendly service, accurate grading, and quick, secure shipping backed by a money-back guarantee. To check out Lee's eBay store, go to eBay. Click Advanced Search to the left of the search bar, scroll down to Sellers, and enter Lee's Comics, Inc., period. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-E. I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Lee's Comics is shipping daily with no delays. New items daily. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast and get a free bonus gift. Long title, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Song One by One by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. A book that examines each song, gives lots of details about each song and our own personal opinions. You can find this book on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and anywhere where good books are being sold. Our webpage is wordpress.monkeys.com, where you can see many of the songs and give your own opinions of them. And we will be discussing this more on Zilch. Hey, Michael, it says here we've written another book about the monkeys. Wasn't the first one enough? Not at all, Mark. Our original book, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Songs One by One, was very successful, but only covered half the story. Which half? The group half. Our new book, Headquartered, A Timeline of the Monkey's Solo Years, covers the solo half. Who knew the monkeys record so many solo albums? Not only that, but this book covers all of their solo projects, including stage shows, horse racing, running record labels, directing and starring in TV shows and movies, voice acting, and jail. Jail? Did the monkeys go to jail? Ah, you have to read the book to find out. You've sold me. Have you sold them? Who, who, who's them? Those people out there listening to this. Well, listen to this. This book has discographies, photos, and other information about the prefab for Mickey, Davey, Peter, and Mike, the solo monkeys, plus another nifty cover by Scott Shaw. Wow, he did our last cover, and this one's equally good. Where can you get this masterpiece? Announcer. Announcer? That's me. Get Headquartered, a timeline of the monkey solo years, written by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. Those two guys. It's available in hardback, paperback, or ebook from BearManorMedia.com or from Amazon. Get your copies today.
Cool. I'm going to get one today. Well, my summer break has been shorter than I had planned, and now I have another new episode ready. There's no new news on my books at this time, but the others are still available through Amazon and Barnes and & Noble, and most through BearManorMedia.com. Our guest today is a movie fan and writer who has written Jesus Loves Movies. Here he is, Phil Strangolagali. Okay, so on the phone today we have Phil Strangolagali. And he has written a book today called Jesus Loves Movies. How are you? Hey, how's it going, Mark? Uh, great to be on here. I'm doing well as well. I'm doing well as well, uh, except for my speaking voice today. Um, <laughs> um, so you've written a book, uh, but we usually start off interviews here with just tell us a little bit about yourself. And I guess in your case, how you became a writer, or you can tell us what you normally do in your everyday life. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my name is Phil Strangolagali, super long last name. Um, I'm a really passionate person, and I really like uh, you know to do a lot of things. Um, you know, whether it's just adventuring into new projects and uh, being creative. I love movies, and a lot of what. Uh, this book came from, it came from my love for movies, um, and uh, I went through a really traumatic time in my life, and I started watching all these movies, and I felt like there was a connection between these movies and my life, and uh, I just needed to write about it, honestly, it was a grieving process for me, and all of a sudden it just turned into a book, um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much that, but uh, there's a lot more for sure, <laughs> Okay. but, uh, but yeah. <laughs> All right, so what do you do in your normal everyday life, uh, vocational? Yeah, I do a lot of fun stuff. Um, I teach, okay. um, I coach. Um, I did work at a restaurant for a little bit. I also stream on Twitch, which uh, I got a fun community there. They're, they're a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I like doing all that stuff. All right, very good. So, um you, you already kind of went into it a little bit, uh, what inspired you here to, to write a book. Uh, you were having troubles in your life and everything like that. Did you ever think of uh, writing a book prior to this, or were you always in the back of your mind, I'm going to write about something, I don't know. But Never. I mean, if you were to say, hey, you're going to write a book, or like something like that, I would probably laugh at you. I mean, I, I was literally, I wasn't even considered a writer by any means. Um, you know, in high school, middle school, I mean, it was something that I did sort of as, like, escapism from uh, my daily daily life, whether it was middle school or high school, locking myself in my room and just writing. Um, <laughs> but I wasn't necessarily a good writer. Um, I didn't, you know, necessarily thrive in school or anything like that, but I definitely, I cling to words. And uh, I really felt like words were therapy for me um, during one of the darkest times in my life. Mm-hmm. And then, why movies? I mean, did you uh, always have a love for movies, or is that kind of a latent uh, interest, or where did yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, when I was a, yeah, sure. Um, when I was in high school, uh, there was uh, an instance. You know, when you're, I feel like when you're in high school, you just make these radical, spontaneous decisions. And when I was in high school, um, I went on IMDb and I looked at the top 100 movies of all time and I made it my my due diligence to try to watch every single one of those movies and I had a notepad and a pen I would just analyze 
all these movies because I was just obsessed and I uh, just wanted to figure out more about movies and that creative medium. I didn't get to read to watching every one of them then, but I watched a whole bunch to where they truly impacted my life. Mm-hmm. I truly believe film is, is more than just an art form. It's, it's, a, it's a sanctuary, you know, it's, it's a great safe space um, to explore, um, you know, new depths. Definitely. Um, so in this book, uh, I kind of read about it. I have not read your book, but uh, uh, it says you've chosen 30 different films. And I know on the little excerpt I uh, read through on Amazon, uh, two of them I'm going to reveal. <laughs> You'll have to read the book to find the other 28 unless you want to talk about them. But uh, you had to- Toy Story and Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, both are Pixar movies, both are Disney movies. I was just curious, uh, do, do the films, do the films that you've chosen, do they have a particular theme or do you kind of go all over the map? Uh, what type of films are represented in the book? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it goes a lot with what I was going through one of the darkest, in one of the darkest times in my life. Um, I felt rejected. I felt alone. I felt like, you know, I wasn't wanted. Uh, just a lot of these deep emotions that I was feeling. And, you know, Woody and Toy Story, he felt alone. He felt rejected. He felt like he wasn't wanted. Like, he was replaced by Buzz. Um, Wreck-It mm-hmm. Ralph, trying to find his place and, and be accepted among, um, you know, all of the Nicelanders. And uh, he, he tried to figure out why he was always breaking things and figuring out his way um, in the midst of, you know, where he was, where he was. And, yeah, so um, there, there are a lot of those, you know, elements. And um, it's just really, you know, especially, I mean, Ralph and Melody's relationship is really dear to me. And, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's really special to mm-hmm. me, all, all these movies I wrote about. Mm-hmm. And um, so, how, how since I ha- like I said I haven't read the book. I mean, how does how, explain your process? I mean, we'll we'll just use Toy Story since that's the first one I mentioned uh, as an example. So, how how does uh, Jesus or religion or spirituality or every, whatever you want to call it um, fit into this? I mean, obviously there's good elements in Toy Story, um, and there's also some negative elements, but that's in every good story. You have to have an antagonist and a protagonist. So uh, sure. what was your uh, thought method going into here, and, and how do you uh, represent Jesus in uh, your reviews? Sure. Um, so in Toy Story specifically, um, Woody felt rejected. You know, he felt like he didn't belong, and a lot of it, he was craving attention from Andy, and he had been with Andy and so close to Andy uh, pretty much all of his toy life, right? And, you know, he was Andy's favorite toy. And for Buzz to come to the picture, um, it was almost like uh, Woody was thrown to the side. And a lot of what I do is I relate, you know, Andy and, and God and say, God is your almighty, you know, and uh, God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's always with you. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I did that. Very good. And um, uh, were you um, a believer or did you go to church or anything prior to uh, your dark times or did you grow up uh, in any sort of religious capacity at all? I guess uh, I made a commitment when I was about 
16 or 17 years old, um, I, I just went through this uh, radical change in my life. and um, I've been growing ever since. Went to college, met my wife, and uh, she's been a mirror for me in my life. <laughs> Dealt with a lot of my, uh, a lot of my junk, so to speak. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of the stuff that I had gone through in my life. Um, and uh, her relationship, our relationship, has really been a testament to all that in my growth process. But really, this um, this book came from a, a huge dramatic event that happened to me about you know three years ago. And uh, yeah, that's, that's that's really where this where this book came from. Mm-hmm. Um, so, kind of, uh, I guess the the best thing is. Uh, take us kind of in a little brief timeline. You don't have to go into too much detail, but just uh, was your childhood kind of uh, n- normal, for lack of a better term, or error-free? I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. Um, I grew up in a Christian background. Uh, yeah, sure. I went to Church of Christ uh, from birth to 16. So... Uh, and I just went because my parents went, and it seemed like that's what you did. I didn't question it. I didn't do anything, you know. And, you know, I'd go right. to Sunday school and uh, learn, you know, the basic stories that every kid learns. Adam and Eve, Noah's right. Ark, you know, <laughs> Moses, whatever. And, um, yeah, you know, and, I, and I, I didn't have any sort of resonance with it one way or the other. I mean, everybody says, oh, you should feel this way or that way. I didn't really feel any old way. Uh, but, you know, I was presented all these concepts, but by the time I was 16, I kind of had a falling out. I was like, I don't know what I know. I don't know what I believe. Uh, yeah. my brother was a handful. He still is, even though he's in his forties now. <laughs> um, and slowly over time, you know, my mom stopped going because she said my brother was a handful. So they stopped going to church. Then my dad stopped going. Then my sister stopped going and I kept going for a couple more years. And then I said, why am I still going? I don't even know what I believe. And so I quit. And then like you, uh, I had a dark period of time. It wasn't at that time. It was many years later when I was in my thirties. So I'm 53 now. And, um, I've told this story not publicly, but I guess this is going to be public now. <laughs> um, right. Just to, because I'm not the type of Christian that goes out there and says, "You must believe what I believe." You know, I just, yeah, you know, I'm not that way at all. Uh, but you know, I felt if Christ exists, you know, reveal yourself to me. Now, a lot of people yeah. say when I tell the, this story, they go, well, why do you go to church? Why do you do this? Why do you do this? You know, they say, oh, you wanted him to show up, and he did. And I go, no, I actually didn't want him to show up. I really didn't wow. want Christ to reveal himself to me at all. Wow. wow. <laughs> but I, in my uh, feeling, he did. And, wow. you know, I made a commitment at that time at 36. And so, you know, for the last wow. 20, almost 20 years, you know, it's like, I've been back, you know, and yeah. nothing's going to shake it. You know, I, I may stop stop going to church for a time or two, which I have. Uh, currently, I am going, uh, at least remotely. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going in person until uh, March. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's like, but uh, I took a, a time off for uh, a couple years because there were churches that were more, interest without going into too much detail but you can figure it out uh that was re- recommending you to vote or elect a certain person 
to being mm. our president. And I said, I don't mm. care who's running for president. I don't want to be told how to vote in a church. Mm. And so I wow. had to stop for yeah. a while. So that, anyway, but I still had my faith. I still believe. And eventually I said, I will get back into church. Present church doesn't do any of that stuff. I even had a heart-to-heart with the pastor about it. It's like, if you do anything like this, wow. I'm walking out the door. And he says, no, we don't do anything like that. And wow. I go, good. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my story. I figure, you know, that's, yeah. well, tell me your story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks for sharing. Yeah. Um, like I said, when I was like 16 years old, um, you know, a lot of, it was just a lot of uh, just wanting to be loved, wanting to be accepted. And, I, you know, I actually, I really relate to you in that way. I didn't necessarily want Christ, you know, to come, but he did. And he entered my life. And my life, I, I can't deny it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I totally feel you in, in regard to um, things that have been preached from the pulpit that totally shouldn't be preached from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what I've experienced as well, like, I wrote about horror movies in my book and you know I've, I've heard from the pulpit oh you should not watch horror movies and you know, all this stuff already movies and you know the rock and roll music and all that stuff and I totally agree with you on that and in terms of like you know politics there are certain things that I feel like should be talked about and uh, aren't necessarily uh, the best to be talked about but um yeah there's, there's a lot um, going into my story for sure um, I definitely, a huge part of my story is about three years ago. Um, I literally felt like I had belonged um, in a family of people. Um, it was a specific job that I was in, and um, uh, my entire career, so to speak, was completely railroaded. And um, I had felt like what Jesus felt when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and all his friends left in. He was going to the cross. I mean, not necessarily to that extent. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily go to the cross. <laughs> but um, I had felt alone and, and abandoned, and um, I was literally trying to find some sort of light. I, I, to, to picture it best, I was literally like, you know, some some people have, you know, we talked, and uh, they're like, yeah, life through curveball, and I was like, I actually got beamed in the head, <laughs> wow. and I was unconscious. You know, that, that's how it felt. And, um, yeah, I think that's, that's a big part of my story um, because, you know, I feel like pain and trauma and what we go through uh, really uh, draws us closer to God. And, uh, yeah, uh, in our suffering, honestly, it's what draws us closer, closer to God. So. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, you kind of gave me an answer, but... Um I was going to say, uh, in the movies you selected, um, or just in general, have you received any flack or any praise from the movies you selected for the book? Yeah, I received uh, definitely a lot more support, which has been awesome. Uh, but you know, there have been those occasional encounters. <laughs> you know, I was in Georgia. I was in Georgia. I was doing like a book signing, uh, a few book signings at uh, Barnes and Noble stores. Uh, for the holidays, uh, last holiday season, and uh, the days were really cool. I mean, a lot of people came out, and it was really awesome. Interacted with a lot of people, but Georgia's uh, more of a conservative area, and you know, there were some people that were really grabbing on. Um, most people were really grabbing on to the idea and the approach, you know, that I was I was taking. 
Uh, but then I had the occasional people that would look at it, and they would, they would open it, and then they would look and see horror movies, and they would just turn an eye, mm-hmm. just not even, um, you know, care for that. Um, but it's, you know, it's up to, it's up to people, you know, to each his own, so to speak. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I really try uh, to first and foremost make sure that, you know, I'm not necessarily hearing you know, what other people are saying, like their negativity towards me, but just just taking everything and, and loving everybody and, and blessing everybody, uh, no matter what they think, you know, regardless of what they think of my book. Right. The interesting thing about horror movies is there's a lot of uh, famous horror movies, particularly, that do have strong religious elements. I can think of three right off the top of my head, uh, like yeah. The Exorcist, uh, mm-hmm. The Omen, and... Uh, Dracula, you know, any version of that. I mean, it's like, the, you know, there's probably some in Frankenstein and other films, but, uh, you know, was that the, what you're trying to go for on the horror elements of, you know, you know, having, like, say, the cross, you know, in a Dracula movie or anything like that? Is that what you're trying to look for, uh, for elements? Or are, are you yeah, more abstract in your <laughs> descriptions? <laughs> yeah, so... Um like the Babadook, for example, I don't know if you've ever seen that film, um, but uh, it's basically a film about grief, and I feel like horror movies are able to enter those deep places of trauma and grief and loss um, in such deep ways that other film genres just can't get to, um, because, I mean, for me personally, I experienced this trauma, and literally there were, there were days, like every single day, I would see specific things that would literally remind me of that event that happened in my life and it was literally like I was living a horror film. Hmm. Uh, you know, just, just that loud violence um, of, of just looking and seeing something that reminded me and, uh, you know, I feel like horror films go into that. You know, they really go into those emotions. They, they go deep hmm. and uh, honestly that's, that's the approach, you know, that I really experience. I mean, Jesus literally um, was sweating blood at the most horrific time of his life, he was about to endure the entire brokenness of the world, and everybody left him. And that's a horrific moment. Like that's hard, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and that's that's what I've, you know, been been drawn to. I guess. <laughs> uh, now, do you have any obvious films like The Passion of the Christ in your film in your book? Yeah. So I really tried to take um, you know the the approach of uh, you know just looking at our everyday film um, and, okay. you know, some of the classic ones as well, um, but not necessarily taking that route of, um, of a film that tried to be preachy or tried to, you know, um, initiate any sort of that conversation. Um, but it's just, just movies, movies that, you know, we love. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, movies that, that really, uh, you know, helped me out there in this really dark time. Mm-hmm. Now, did you have trouble whittling it down to 30 films, or uh, was 30 always kind of like a goal? I say, yeah, that's that's about the right amount. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a couple extra in mind, um, but honestly, these these were the films that uh, you know really really touched me during the mm-hmm. during the time. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, there are films that like literally. They give you the message, and it's right there, and you don't really need to analyze it. You don't really need to critique it because the message is right there, right in front of you. Um, but I really felt like there were 
messages in these films that needed to be articulated. Um, now, you said you had a couple extra and stuff like that. Is <laughs> is there going to be a sequel in your future? <laughs> Jesus Loves no. More movies? or <laughs> No, no I... I uh... No, this is this is literally something that I had to write. This is something that like literally was on my heart, and I literally mm-hmm. needed to get it out on paper. Um, I can't imagine myself having to write. I don't know. I, I just don't have that urge to have to write something again. And that's honestly where it came from. Um, a lot of you know people have asked me that, <laughs> but um, that that's not something that I'm unnecessarily thinking about. Understood. I mean, yeah, you, you do have to feel it. I mean, it's like, I mean, I don't know if you know much about my background, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, I saw uh, that you you've written, and uh, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I checked out a few of your books. So I, I do write mainly about comic books and animation. I tend yeah. I tend to avoid <laughs> Jesus and religion, but I, I won't, uh, you know, totally avoid it if there's something that's uh, necessary. Like I wrote a book about Dennis the Menace and Hank Ketchum the. Uh, creator was a very uh, God-fearing man. In fact, when he was looking for his replacement, there's a story uh, that he was on the 700 Club and uh, basically put an APB All Points Bulletin saying, hey, I'm going to retire soon. I need a new guy to do this. And uh, it just so happened that uh, the guy who actually does the dailies currently is this guy named Marcus Hamilton, who happened to be watching the show at the time, so he sent some samples, and one thing led to another, and you know, now he, he's drawing the dailies, and uh, he had a tough time in his life as well, uh, that, uh, you know, right before he was uh, uh, decided to send those samples in to Hank Ketchum, he was literally a greeter at Walmart. He could not find any other job. And he, wow. he was an artist, but uh, all of his connections over the years just kind of started drying up because magazines don't tend to buy artwork as much as they used to. In fact, magazines have gone away, you know, so, you know. Yeah. Uh, but like Time Magazine, let's say, they, let's use that as an example. You, they used to have paintings on a lot of their covers. Nowadays, they just put a photograph, you know, things like that, so... So that cuts out an artist's career that way. Right. <laughs> so that, that's how I I put things in my books. I don't try to preach to anybody, you know, or anything like right. that. But, uh, yeah. you know, they're all about comic books and animation. But yeah. the interesting thing you said is when you were in high school, you didn't think you were a writer or anything. I didn't think I would ever write books because I didn't like writing in high school. Um, I realized that I didn't like writing because I didn't like what I was writing about. <laughs> so, so I, you know, yeah. I, I can feel you there. You know, it's like if you don't have the inspiration to write about something, it's like it's really hard, you know. And yeah. every book that I've done, fortunately, it's something that I've really wanted to do, or if it's an assignment, uh, it's something that I could tackle this. It's very off. It, I, I just can't just write about anything you know just you know that's hard for me (laughs) you know yeah for sure you know people say uh why don't you write about uh i can't even think of an example write about hanna barbera let's say for cartoons or something and it's like i just see it as a massive undertaking there's 
a few other good books out there, and I'd rather have somebody else do it. I'd rather read a book than write a book about that, you know, for example, you know. Yeah, being passionate about it is where it's at for sure. But, um, yeah, so the, the, that's why I was kind of curious, you know. He, he, uh, did, now, when you were writing this book, uh, did you have an editor or any sort of uh, person helping you uh, write it or anything like that? that kind yeah, of like... I had a lot of people look at it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it was like in the, the proofing kind of stage. Um, my wife really helped me out. Uh, she was even doing grad school at the time, and, and she was doing uh, some of uh, some descriptive editing here and there. I also had another uh, grammatical er- uh, grammatical editor. And then another grammatical editor. <laughs> the editing process is pretty grueling for me, <laughs> but um, but it was it was it was fun, and uh, you know we came out with a, a fun a fun book. So yeah, it was good. Now, did, did you uh, have a publisher, or did you self publish it? Yeah. So originally, I did have um, a publisher, um, and we talked about it for a while. We were going back and forth and all this stuff. And then eventually, uh, we just came to a conclusion. You know, he was a small, kind of like a small publishing company. Uh, but he's a great guy, and uh, but he was moving at the time, and he <laughs> just was juggling a lot of things around. And I wanted to release the book, and uh, it was just it was just a lot we were talking about and going back and forth on. And um, eventually, it was just. Uh, all the rights were given to me, and I released it independently. So, Very cool. um, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. A couple of my books are self-published. I was just kind of curious. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you format your own book and typeset and everything, or did you have people assist you with that? Yeah. So uh, his his company pretty much uh, handled a lot of that. Um, so yeah. Oh, okay. Pretty like cool. the outside, yeah, the inside, all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I noticed you've done a lot of other like podcasts and appearances. So, how long has this book been out? A couple of years or something like that? Yeah, um, October um, 26, twenty eighteen is when it came out. Hmm, okay. um, so it's been out for a year and a half, uh, so to speak. Uh, maybe a little bit more than that. But um, yeah, it's been fun. Um, I've been connecting with some people. I've had um, some people. They have the book, and they send me like these letters and I'm like I can't even believe this person would like send me a letter back or you know these people would contact me about the book and all that stuff and it's been <laughs> really overwhelming and, and it's, honestly it's been feeling like redemption through what I've been through um, but yeah it's been awesome it's been a great time have, have people been relaying like similar stories to your own saying uh, that happened to me or that's one of my movies and that that you know, is this how I feel about it or anything like that? Uh, yeah. Um, I had uh, I had this one one guy, he had emailed me, and, and he had said that uh, he really related to horror movies, and he kind of <laughs> felt like uh, there weren't many, um, there were many people in his community that were related to horror movies, but it really encouraged him when he read my book, and, uh, and he saw that. So that was really cool. That was really rewarding. That's very cool. Now, do you have a favorite genre? We keep talking about horror, but uh, is that your favorite uh, yeah. movie genre? Oh, okay. And um, yeah, I, go ahead. Yeah, I would say that uh, horror is, uh, is one of my favorite genres, but I really, as of late, uh, because there hasn't been much, uh, you know, there's a lot of stay-at-home time, um, <laughs> I've been watching a lot of action. <laughs> 
movies uh, and uh, sort of crime, crime-related, you know, thrillers, and, you know, all those types of films. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you have... Um, well, let me ask this. This is kind of interesting. It's like, uh, do the films that you have in the book do they correlate with being your favorite films of all time, or are they more representational of what you were going through? Yeah, they're more representational of uh, what I was going through, but there are films in, in the book that I, I, I'm utterly in love with, and um, <laughs> yeah, like there, there are films that literally touch me deep, deep, to my, deep down to my core, you know, that uh, I'm really, really passionate about for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a favorite of all time film? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always a tough question. It's honestly, it depends on the mood. It depends on uh, all that stuff. Um, I really, really, I like an underrated film. It's, it's called Real Steel. Um, it's a boxing robot movie with Hugh Jackman. I know a lot of people... Um, I like, oh, you like that movie? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I really do because it, it's just awesome. It just speaks to me. I, I have a thing with like father son uh, movies. It's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. That's cool. Um, I think in my case, uh, it, it was difficult whittling it down to one, but eventually I did. Uh, but I used to kind of keep this kind of like ongoing top ten of just like, okay, I like this film, I like this film, I like, and, you know, I'd have things on it like Dumbo, <laughs> the original cartoon, right. and uh, yeah. I can't even think all the different ones, but uh, ultimately uh, it, it whittled down to my favorite film has been for a number of years, even before it became like a cult classic, is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, now, sure. Now, I don't know if that's in your book, but if it is, I'm I'm there. But uh, it's not really for any sort of religious reasons, but there is, you know, a, a definite battle of good and evil in that film. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. um, I, and you know, hope, yeah. I always, it always resonated with me just because, uh, you know, I felt like, uh, you know, it's like Charlie wants to have a chance to, to a better life, you know, and it's like, yeah. and the, you know, it's like, you know, he's just like, where's, where's my, where's my share? Where, where is it for me? You know, and he's all frustrated yeah. and everything. And of course, happy ending, but it's not an easy happy ending. And that's why I love it so mm-hmm. much. You know, it's like everybody says, yeah. Oh, when he gets the golden ticket, his life is, uh, perfect. And it's like, uh, no, he has to go through the entire chocolate factory. And even then he didn't even yeah. know if he was going to get anything out of it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so. For sure. <laughs> that's, yeah, there are a lot of layers in that movie, for sure. I mean, there's just a lot of hope. It's almost like unstoppable hope that uh, Charlie has, like, throughout the whole movie. Like, it's just unstoppable hope. Right. Um, yeah, there's, there's so many layers to that movie. <laughs> Great movie. So that's the type of movie I like. Um, uh, But, you know, people go, wow, there's better made films. Of course there's better made films. Of course there's possibly better scripted films. I mean, you know, uh, I'll even say there's musicals that have better songs sometimes. But it's like, uh, that's just the one, you know, um, because I I saw, I was one of the few who actually saw it in the theater when it first came out. It was four years old, so... (laughs) So, and then, 
before it had like this resurgence because now it's kind of this cult classic it just it was just kind of lost for a number of years and uh you know, I didn't know the reason why. Years later, I found out why, as it changed distributors. Originally, it was put out by Paramount, and then later by Warner Brothers, who owns it now. But yeah. uh, there was a long dry spell where you couldn't see it anywhere. It wasn't on video. It wow. wasn't on HBO or Showtime or any of those services. Wow. <laughs> and I, I remember one time, so it came out in 71. One time, it was like 81 or 82. They weren't even showing it on regular TV anymore. Uh, a, oh th- a theater that was about 40 miles away uh, was playing it one day on the weekend. And, and I said, ooh, ooh, Willy Wonka, you know, and it's like I hadn't seen it in years. So I didn't even know if I liked it or not. Uh, but my brother had never seen it, you know, the same one who was a handful, but yeah. <laughs> he was a lot younger than me. And uh, so we drove, you know, it, it seems like a long way now. Then, you know, it really wasn't 40 miles, yeah. but still, you know, just to go to a movie, you know, and, and my mom took us and we went to it and that was it. I was in love with wow. that film. I said, ooh, this is my yeah. film. And this is before oh, it became so the real cult classic. And then now, you know, everybody's wow. seen it and it's easy to find. But <laughs> yeah, I, I always thought, story. that's my movie. <laughs> uh, it's so good. And I feel like movies just really... The movies that we really like just really resonate with us. You know, mm-hmm. they're able to bring out emotion. They're able to bring out, like, this creativeness yeah. um, that you see. And, and, and you're just almost ignited. Like, your soul is ignited. Um, and that's why I really feel like movies are way more than, you know, just an art. You know, they're, they're way more. Well, if it's a good movie with a good director that has a passion for the script, or better still, if he's written the script as well, um, mm-hmm. if they... If they do it right, it'll show on screen, and you know those you know those are the directors we tend to revere, you know, be it Hitchcock or Kubrick or Spielberg or whatever. You know, it's like, um, yeah, if they can translate that emotion to the screen that they're feeling, you know, um, and it has to be something just like our books here that we're talking about that you have to be personal, personally passionate about or invested in, or. Yeah. It just kind of falls flat. Um, I don't know if you listen to any other podcasts, but I, I literally listened to Gilbert Gottfried's podcast today because I, I like him. But uh, yeah. he uh, he has a lot of people that work in the movies and stuff, and he interviewed director Michael Lehman, uh, who's oh. done movies like Heather's and, uh, oh, yeah. uh, let's see, what was another one he did? Uh, Hudson Hawk, which is not considered one of the best movies in the world, but... Uh, you know, he's done a few films, and uh, but he worked for Francis Ford Coppola for a time, and wow. the interesting thing he said was uh, that uh, Coppola didn't feel that Godfather was his best work, but that's what he's going to be known for the rest of his life. Wow! And I can see his point because mm. you know he he kind of did it sort of as a work for hire thing, not completely, but you know right. what I mean. He was more passionate about. Things like the conversation, if you've ever seen that film, you know, and uh, Apocalypse Now, yeah. and things like that, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. And but sure. he's he's not necessarily going to be remembered for that when he passes, you know. It's like it's the director of the Godfather films passed away, you know, whatever, mm. you know. But he says, hey, it's good to be remembered, <laughs> you know. So you know, and you kind of have to to accept that in life, I guess, you know, as well, you know. It's like, but. 
Um, let's see, what other questions did I write down here? <laughs> let's see. Um, so, I don't know, any other um, stories you want to re- reveal about either the process of putting the book together or the reception it's received in the past few years? Sure. I mean, it's just been overwhelming. You know, I, I've, uh, I've always looked at it, and I was just like, all right, this is my heart on paper, and if it impacts one person, then it's going to commission. And the fact that it impacted more than one person, I'm just, like, bored. And uh, it's, it's, been, it's been honestly really crazy uh, to, see, um, to see the people and then to see... Uh, just, just how how it's been received and how people have been impacted by it, um, and uh, yeah, it's literally it's literally that. And I just want to encourage you know anybody um, that if, if you're going through a rough time, um, if you're going through anything, figure out a way to uh, just use some sort of creativity um, as therapy for you mm-hmm. uh, during a dark time in your life. Um, so that way you can get it out. That way you can fill it out, so to speak. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's, that's on my heart for sure. That's very good advice. Yes, I always tell people that it's like if you have troubles, you know, even if you're not a writer, take out a sheet of paper mm-hmm. and write down what you're feeling. Even if you're just writing words, you know, just anger, you know, pissed off or frustrated or suicidal, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just write it out and, you know. Try to figure out, you know, what emotions you're feeling and why, and try, you know, try to, you know, you know, feel them in a constructive way and and utilize it in a constructive way. Hopefully, a creative way, but that's everyone's individual. <laughs> uh, yeah, writing, destiny, painting, but, you know, yeah. anything to get it out. You know right. Yeah. Um, so uh, I assume your books. Uh, in different formats, or is it just a paperback, or what formats yeah, is so it? It's paperback, um, it's ebook, and it's audio book as well. Oh wow! Okay. Did you narrate yeah. it? I did not. Oh. I got uh, Bob Dunsworth. Uh, he's a professional voice actor. He's an awesome guy. Okay. Uh, he's done stuff on like Drake and Josh, and Transformers, and all that. He's, wow. He got the movie voice for sure. He's, he's got the uh, welcome to. Uh, the theater. <laughs> he really, he really has that type of voice. So, and how can uh, how can people uh, get a hold of the book or a hold of you? Yeah, uh, so you go to JesusLovesMovies.com. Uh, you can uh, click the shop button and uh, you get a signed copy of Jesus Loves Movies. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all over. It's on um, Audible, um, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I, I did see because I looked at your website. <laughs> you, you actually have a, a, a shirts for sale that have Jesus like sit, sitting with the remote and in front of the popcorn <laughs> uh, with the popcorn or something like that in the movie theater. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it's been a, a pleasure talking with you today. Did you have any final thoughts or anything else you'd like to impart? New projects, You're right? Awesome. Okay, thank You're you. Awesome. Um, I, I appreciate this, and, and this is awesome uh, to just talk with you and um, you know to, to share in, in similar passions. And uh, 
you know, creativity and all that. So it's, it's really awesome talking with you. 2020 was the first time kids asked, but why? And we didn't have an answer. As the world scrambled to fight COVID-19, the mental health of our youngest generation has been overlooked. Wanting to change this, we have created Monster Dance, the first multimedia picture book for children about life in the time of the pandemic, and give families the opportunity to provide an uplifting tale for the little ones in their lives. For this, we've assembled the mightiest of teams. Beloved illustrator Guy Gilchrist, author and Madeline Editions founder Eva Lu, physician and co-founder of Donate PPE, Dr. Karen Tsai, and acclaimed actor, and on this occasion, your narrator, Dennis O'Hare. Monster Dance follows Maurice, an endearingly melodramatic dog, and Charlie, an artistic little girl, as they grapple with a world that's suddenly gone topsy-turvy. Available through Kickstarter as both a hard copy book and an enhanced e-book, Monster Dance is helping children better understand and overcome their coronavirus fears. Thanks to your support and pledges, we will be donating copies of the book and PPE masks to hospitals around the world. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Phil Strangalagali, for being my special guest. Episode number 84 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2020, Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night. Headed home to a cardboard hut with duct tape doors at the price I'm paying. Don't fall back Don't fall back Don't fall back